ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> boys and girls, I don't know what just happened to my brain because it decided to flatline on me for about three seconds. But if that didn't turn you off, nothing will. <laughs> Hopefully nothing else will from this show. This is Brandon Humerick with another episode of the Off the Books podcast. I am your heavenly father, not leading you through this book tonight because, well, I'm a lazy sack of shit and didn't get a chance to read it. But that's why we are privileged to have my lovely co-host, Miss Taylor, here because she did. I did read it. Damn Skippy, I did. And it was my pick. So yeah. if I didn't read it, I think that would be the bigger issue here. Yes, I do apologize for not reading it. Unfortunately, I've you, had a bunch of stuff going on. It's okay, but I do believe you should go back and read this when you get the time. Well, it I was, do have it on my Audible, so I can okay. go back at some point and read it. I agree, you should. Or listen to it. Yeah. Don't know if I can read sounds yet, but I'm working on it. I'm, yeah, I believe in you. I think you can do it. Superpowers. Yeah. So, this week we are talking about, excuse me, The Dead Romantics by Ashley Poston. Poston? Poston? Poston. I'm going to go with Poston. Poston? I don't know. Anyway. She's a good writer. That's all I can say. Yeah, I'm going to go for it. Yeah. So, Florence Day is the ghost writer for one of the most prolific Jesus Christ. Somebody's dropping shit upstairs. I Either don't know. that or someone was just murdered. One of the two. <laughs> and we are still alive <laughs> for now. Anyway, let me run this back. <laughs> Please. Florence Day is the ghostwriter for one of the most prolific romantic authors in the industry, and she has a problem. After a terrible breakup, she no longer believes in love. It is as good as dead. When her new er editor, a too handsome mountain of a man, won't give her an extension on, the book, on her book deadline, Florence prepares to kiss her career goodbye. But then she gets a phone call she never wanted to receive. She must return home for the first time in a decade to help her family bury her beloved father. For ten years, she's run from the town that she never that never understood her, and even though she misses the sound of a warm southern night and her eccentric, loving family and their funeral parlor, she can't bring herself to stay. Even with her father gone, it feels like nothing in this town has changed, and she hates it. Until she finds a ghost standing at the funeral parlor's front door. Just as a broad, infuriatingly handsome as ever, and he's just as confused about why he's there. Romance is most certainly dead, but so is her new editor. And his unfinished business with will have her second-guessing everything she's ever known about love stories. I'm really excited. Um, I have virgin ears for this one. Yeah. Okay, so can we talk about that for a minute? Because I will get out the, the traffic of, of what was talked about. So Taylor texted me this morning and asked if I was finished with this book yet. And yeah. my response was... In, in quotes, people, 
Haven't even had a chance to start it, so I'ma have virgin ears tonight, lol. So I said, never say virgin ears, and we will be all good. He replies, be gentle, it'll be my first time. With, like, the puppy dog eye emoji, and then directly following that, the wide-eyed, like, I'm scared emoji. I said, this one will be rough for you, and that's not a joke. He says, give it to me slowly so I can take it all in slowly. I don't know where it is coming from. I don't know where this is coming from. You said, I don't know where it is coming from. Well, I definitely meant this. Well, I figured, but I'm because I tell was the readers how you said it. You mean listeners? Same thing. Are they reading sounds too? Are they trying to do what I'm trying to do? Of course. Bastards. We all have idea. magical powers here. Yeah. So, okay. I don't know where it was coming from. Yeah. I um, I just remember giggling like a seven-year-old <laughs> girl as I was going, sending those messages to Taylor this morning, just like, <laughs> I'm so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, he does that when he says hello. He's like, <laughs> I'm so funny. Salutations. Salutations. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let's dive into this book. You dive face first. Oh, I I have Into and the I deep will. End. Yeah. Just remember, be gentle. It's my first time. Gotcha. Thank so you. everybody dies. No. <laughs> <laughs> so you said it was going to be rough. That's not rough. That's normal. <laughs> no, this one this one was rough. Um, so we open up the book, meeting Florence Day, main the main character from her point of view. Uh, who is the ghostwriter um, for the popular romance author Anne Nichols. And if you don't know what ghostwriter means, it just means... They're not actually ghosts. Yeah. They're just a person who writes for a famous author um, in the name of them. So they never get the credit for, for the writing, you know. So her, we get a little backstory from her. Her family owns a funeral home in this small old town, um, and she's the oldest of three children. So it's her, her brother Carver, and then her youngest sibling, Alice. So in opening this book, she's running late for a meeting, which is, she said it wasn't unnatural for her. She always ran late to meetings. That was just her thing. And she was a little nervous because she was meeting her new editor, um, and her old editor was so good about giving her extensions on deadlines and knew the whole ghostwriter thing. So she goes in and meets uh, Mr. Benji Andor, who, how did you say his last name? You gave me a look. I didn't say his last name at all. Oh. I'm just, that's an interesting name, period. Yeah. yeah. So she meets him and she gets the impression that he doesn't know that she's the ghostwriter because he even like makes a couple remarks about, uh, I really wanted to meet Anne. So where is she, you know, and, and will you be giving her the updates to all of this and just a few remarks. And so she's like, yeah, but she's not going to make the deadline. He's like, well, she's going to have to make the deadline. That's tomorrow. Uh, or then I'm going to have to get legal involved. So, she asks for the extension from him. He says, you've already had three and I can't grant another. 
and he tells Florence um, that because she brought in a cactus for a gift, which I thought was weird. People who gift cactuses yeah. are genuinely, yeah, not like weird, but just a bit off. Yeah, and I mean, does she own? Does her family own a funeral home? Yes. Would that make her a little bit off? Maybe. Maybe. But not necessarily. But the cactus? Oh, for oh, sure. Oh, fuck. Yeah. So she gives him a cactus. He doesn't know what to do with it. It's weird. It's just a weird exchange. So she ends up leaving and she gets to her house. Uh, in This is based in New York City. So she gets to her apartment. Her roommate's not back yet. And so she's trying to write this book to finish it. And she's stuck at like the the part in a romance book when all of the secrets the lies um come out between two, the two main characters and then they reconcile recon, reconcile 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 thank you yes <laughs> so they she's stuck at that point of how can they reconcile um to finish this book and make it like this lovely ending of of love and trust and future and all this but since she had her heart broken, she doesn't she doesn't feel in the mood to write about somebody falling in love and, and having that great end of story. So she ends up going to a bookshop and looking at the romance section and looking at a couple of other sections like the mystery thriller, stuff like that, and gets a call from her brother. She answers and her brother starts telling her that you know their dad hasn't gone to the doctors yet because apparently he had a bad heart so she's like hey can you at least try to convince him to go to the doctors like he really he's a stuck-up man he's stubborn as shit but you need to convince him and if he couldn't to get their younger sister to because he the father listens to anything the younger sister says so this is when she tells the readers us about her ability to see ghosts because she leaves yeah she leaves the bookshop gets on the train to go home or to like her apartment and she it's like a packed train car cart car train car okay and a couple of seats open up, but there's one woman sitting down and a seat next to her that's open. And she can tell the difference between a real person and a ghost. Um, cause of it, she remarked, she tells us like they glisten on the outside. So it's a little bit not see through, but the outside kind of is fading. You know what I mean? Okay. So the okay. outline of the person is kind of faded. So, she decides not to sit next to that woman because she doesn't want to have to listen to this woman say, hey, can you tell this person I said goodbye or, you know, whatever, because they they know they're dead and they come to her looking for the comfort of telling somebody that's still alive. She's like medium. Yeah. And she understands that it's a, a, a big part of like their closure and their goodbye but she got run out of her t- hometown because of her being able to do this. 
uh, and see ghosts and talk to them so that she she just pretends that this one's not there and even hears her father in her mind say, you know, you really should have listened. That's all they want in life is for you or in death, really. It's for you to listen to them. And her father could have could do the same thing. So he was able to see ghosts as well. So when she this I'm sorry, I misspoke. So when she this is when she finally gets to the apartment and decides to try to write this end, you know, this ending scene. And she decides to make what she calls depression mac and cheese. So when she's very down and out, <laughs> don't give me that look. When she's down and out, she'll make like craft mac and cheese, but she calls it her depression mac and cheese. So her new, her like roommate comes storming in and tells her that she had a shitty day and, um, she works with like publicists she's she is a publicist and all this stuff so she works with like famous people and celebrities and so she was like i had a shitty day looks like you had a shitty day because you're making depression mac and cheese we're going out for drinks you know what mac and cheese sounds like when you stir it (laughs) i'm not gonna say it on here (laughs) i know exactly (laughs) i fucking love that vine (laughs) that's what good pussy it sounds like ramon <laughs> that mother had her chuckler in her hand so fast he never even saw it coming so and i'm definitely following along and not looking at D stuff right now and being distracted. better be following along i need good commentary from you i am following along you better be definitely don't, not looking at dungeons and dragons don't stuff. fucking lie to me b i'm not don't give me that eye that side eye definitely on the dashboard fuck you you can close your computer at one I point am on the dashboard <laughs> it's right there uh-huh as i turn away you <laughs> click back to the next tab it's <laughs> what i do at work okay <laughs> but okay so she convinces her roommate's name is rose let me get that out there first so yeah, like my cousin's wife yeah sure except that's her middle name and her first name is desert anyway okay so rose uh convince convinces florence to go out for drinks and she leads her down this very sketchy alley oh yeah jack the ripper alley Mm -hmm. and florence is like is this where you kill me and she's like no shush so she takes her into this sidebar kind of speakeasy type thing and the first thing that Florence notices is that it's very quiet inside like people are whispering at their tables like it's very mellow you know whatever and so they go sit down near the you know back corner ish part of the bar and they both order like these fancy named drinks they're all all of these drinks are named after some sort of writer or a piece of work of writing and then um, that's when she notices that the bar there is having an open mic night for writers. So the the MC asks if anybody wants to come up. They can, if they want to, they can. They can share pieces of poetry, what they're working on, novels, whatever. We and should find one of those bars and we have, should and have you read what you're working on. Oh God, <laughs> which one? <laughs> 
You know which one I'm talking about. I know. About. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> you just come up and they're like, oh, what's she going to read? And then you go into it and they're like, oh, God. Oh, okay. That's not what I expected. <laughs> That's not what I expected at all. <laughs> so after uh, one of the like special guests comes in and talks about their new piece of work, she asks, the, the host asks for a volunteer in the bar and Florence is like, you know what? Fuck it. You know, maybe this is what I need. Of course. Yeah. This is what I need to get through my writer's block for this book. I'll get up there. I'll share a couple notes that I had on my phone and, you know, get honest feedback. And, and maybe this is what will get me to finish this book for tomorrow by end of day deadline. So she gets up and she, as soon as she stands up, a man in the front by the, you know, by the stage stands up and she locks eyes with her ex, Lee Marlowe. So she's very upset and like storms, tries to storm out to the, to the bathroom. So in the next part, she talks about first meeting Lee and they were at this party. Uh, Rose took her to. And it was for writers and like kind of networking kind of stuff. So there was a lot of editors and, um, you know, people from other publishing companies and just a great way to network for that night. And so she at that party, this was like a few years ago before, you know, the night that they're at now at the open mic night, open mic night. My God. Um, and so she, her like feet are killing her because she's wearing like Rose's Louis Vuitton heels so she goes into the library where nobody's in there and it's peace and quiet she takes off her heels and then Lee was in there the whole time and that's when like their relationship kind of first sprouted and started so then she talks more about this relationship between him and her and how he wrote a book off of her life and made millions, like made, got a deal, a contract to sell it for millions of dollars because she tried to tell him about her being able to see ghosts. And he was looking at her weird. So she was like, <laughs> it's just a story idea, my dude. Like, it's not real. It's not about me. Sorry, I said it in first person, whatever. But from all her family stories that she would tell him, obviously, in a relationship, he took all of that and wrote a book about it. So, you know, it fast forwards back to her running away to the bathroom so that, you know, obviously Lee already saw her, but to just get away and not break down in front of everybody. So the line for the bathroom is like super long. There were like 10 girls in line and she's like, this is obviously. Of course. Yeah, this is obviously 30 minute wait. When your sister and I went to the beach last weekend, we stopped at a gas station along the way, and she had to wait in line with five people, and I walked right in. Mm-hmm. Oh, when that happens, I go into the men's room. Uh, there was myself and two other people in there. Oh, I don't care. There's stalls in the men's room. This if a- I'm out at a bar, I will no shame use the men's room. This was at a gas station. There was only one stall in that bathroom, I'll mm. tell you that gross so she goes past the bathroom line and goes out the back exit door and 
literally runs face to face with Benji, her editor, who tells her to call her call him Ben. And she's crying. She she's looks terrible because makeup smearing and all that stupid shit ends up kissing him. Of course. Of course. And then apologizing to him immediately and being like, I'm sorry, I I needed that. I don't know why I did that. That's so weird. You know, I, yeah. And then he like backs her up into the wall and ends up kissing her like really hard. Because that's not odd at all. No. No, not at all. Okay. So he like breaks up the kiss and goes, are you going to answer that? And she's like, answer what? And then realizes her phone's ringing. Right. This is when she gets the call that her dad had a heart attack and had sadly passed away on the way to the hospital. So she obviously has to leave like right then and there. Well, she leaves the next morning, whatever. But this part is funny because before she leaves like Benji out in the in the back part of the alley her friend rose comes out pulls out her pepper spray and almost pepper sprays ben in the face oh, God. and then he like runs back inside and she's like i would have done it you know he was hot but i would have pepper sprayed him florence is like okay and then tells her what what happened um and you know says hey i have to leave tomorrow to, to go back home so she gets back to her hometown it's like a, I think she said like 30 minute drive from the airport to her own hometown mm-hmm. um, and gets to the funeral home that, you know, is owned by her family. And this is when her dad's uh, will is read, or, read aloud. And he asks for very weird things to happen. He's like, hey, I ordered decorations at unlimited party store years ago. And I just want the party decorations to be delivered. Um, he asks for a murder of crows to be there. Mm-hmm. Like a group of crows, but they call I'm, them a murder. I'm aware of what they is. What they is. And then he asks for a thousand wild flowers. So, uh, oh, and and he wants Elvis to play and sing at his funeral. Of course he does. Of course. And then... In the end of the will, it says he, that he wants Florence to read a, a letter that she's not allowed to look at until the funeral. But it can, you know can't be opened any sooner, whatever. So the doorbell chimes and she goes to get it and expecting um, the mayor or another townsperson, she sees Ben standing there. So she looks at Ben. She's like, what the hell are you doing here? He's confused on why he's even there and seen her. And when she go, she has like a weary kind of, you know, thought about why he's why he's there and reaches out to touch him. And her hand went right through him. And they both cur- they, they both just went at the exact same time. Fuck. <laughs> it was very funny. I thought it was funny. I. I would. I think I would just be confused and traumatized at that point. But it seems like this girl has just had shit like this going on her entire life. Yeah, and she's used to seeing ghosts, but yes. you know this. This is a thing where she's like, it's weird because she just saw him last night, the night before, 
and she was expecting she's still expecting at this point to like since she's home to see her dad as a ghost so like she's trying to mentally prepare for that and that's what she was kind of preparing for when she opened the door and then seeing ben and realizing he was a ghost is like holy shit but she even does does say in this part of the book that at least she doesn't have to worry about the deadline of that day for the book because he's dead what is he gonna do about it and that nobody really knew about that deadline other than him that just sounds like a very poorly run organization i know (laughs) she's like yeah i guess i don't have to worry about the deadline i could just say he you need to be passing along information to your subordinates in case shit like this happens because now who's gonna keep her ass in line yeah not benji that's for damn sure. Nope. Because that some bitch is dead. So she then, you know, like Ben disappears, which just helps her even more understand that he is a ghost. And so she goes back in and helps her brother and her sister close up the funeral before walking back to the house. And once there, Florence looks at all the photos on the walls the um of like her as a child all this stuff and then and she spoke about it before in this book like maybe once once or twice but she solved a murder when she was young like at 13 so she's like Nancy Drew by talking to a ghost yep writing Nancy Drew novels yeah so hmm. A, a ghost came to her and he was like in the same grade. A li- maybe he was a couple years older than her. And um, she helped him find his body and solve the murder. So she, in her in her house, they have like the article um, printed out or cut out and put in a frame that says like local girl solves murder, murder by uh, with ghost or whatever. And that's why she left town. Because she was so embarrassed when she got older. People made fun of her. Of and, you know, thought she was faking it. So, or part of, thought she was part of the murder, you know, some way, some shape or form. Right. So, she she looks at all this stuff, gets kind of overwhelmed, and tells her mom that she'll be staying at the bed and breakfast that's in town. So, when she gets there, um, she got... She comments that she got a bigger room than the space that she pays for in New York City and uh, gets to see one of her old uh, like high school friends um, catches up a little bit, you know, hears that she, you know, the woman married and now has a kid and all this stuff. And when she's getting ready for bed, she pulls the covers over her head before going to sleep because she keeps saying she thinks it's easy in New York to not see ghosts or remember, you know, it's, it's easy to just fake and pretend they're not there, ignore them because there's so many people in New York, Mm -hmm. but in this town, it's so small. She knows everybody. She knows who's alive, who's dead. So when she sees somebody, it's harder to just ignore it. Right. So the next day she, she goes to a, like a, breakfast with her family um at the only waffle house that's in town because not a lot of things are in this town you know it's all family owned or or things like that and wait the waffle house is family owned 
Yeah. Like the restaurant. No, not is the co- Waffle House, but that's the only thing that's like a chain. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, Because everything else, sorry, everything else in the town is like family owned and small business type things. Waffle House in a small town. Those can be some of the nicest or some of the rowdiest Waffle Houses you will ever find. Agreed. <laughs> but they do make for good hangover food on a Sunday morning. They do. And they go every, like, usually every Sunday, but... Is it after church? No. Well, then they need to go with the father, the son, and the mouth of the river. Oh my God. So... Heathens. Uh, I know, right? So, after breakfast and all this stuff, um, Ben comes back and, you know, reappears. I was going to say, he doesn't come back. Some bitch is dead. Yeah. Yeah, he's dead. But unless he, they now have zombies in this book too. It wouldn't be far fetched. <laughs> um but he reappears and she tries to pretend she doesn't see him and he's like, I know you see me. Like why why are you the only one who can see me? It's weird. Like nobody can hear me, nobody can see me, and she's like, Cause you're dead. Like you're literally you're a ghost, man. You need to accept it. Walk into the light. Yeah. She's like, you're fucking dead. And he's asking like where he is. Um, he's ask- He's even asking, is this a dream? When will I wake up? Um, Bruh. Mm-hmm. You're dead. Yep. Face the facts. Yeah. So she kind of just... stick dis- my arm through you. <laughs> exactly. So he, she dismisses him and he ends up like... It's weird when certain times when she kind of touches him or like puts her arm through him, he disappears. And it's only like half the time, but you know, he'll disappear for like a couple hours and then come back. So when she, when he disappears, Florence talks on the phone with her roommate Rose and she tells her that, oh my gosh, did you hear Ben? Well, she says his real name, like Benji Andor got hit by a car and, um, and it was like that morning or whatever, or the night before he, it was like literally a few hours before he came to see her at the funeral home. So it made sense. So she's like, okay, I get that he's dead. Like I've, I've confirmed that, but now the timeline lines up perfectly for me. Now I understand. So she's like, okay, maybe he came to me because he has unfinished business with me. You know, I haven't finished the book and that's like what's keeping him here. As soon as I finish the book, he'll, he'll be just gone. go away. Yeah, he'll be gone. Bye-bye. Yeah. So she starts trying to get all these things done for her father's funeral. So she ends up going to the flower shop in town and tries to order the 1,000 wild flowers. And the guy that owns it, his name's Mr. Taylor. He said that he doesn't mind trying to order this but he doesn't have a thousand flowers and it would be around fifteen hundred dollars so she's like okay (laughs) i'm good i don't have that money um i'll figure it out and he's like well i can help you out and she denies any help that he wanted to give her with the money costs and all that a dollar and a quarter a fucking flower yeah i mean that's some fucking horse shit right for wild flowers yeah they're called wild flowers for a fucking reason can go outside and pick them 
Well, maybe not a thousand of them, but yeah, unless you find yeah. a field. Yeah. Get out there with a sickle and just start hacking away. <laughs> so he then the owner of this of the flout floor the florist. He brings that's the word I was looking for. for. Yeah, there you go. Dollar fifty a flower, by the way. I just damn. figured that out. That's cheap, but for a wildflower, I don't know. For a single flower, I don't think that's cheap. I mean, if it was like a fancy flower, that's cheap. Anyways, like a Venus flytrap. Sure. Oh, I fucking love those. I had so many when I grew up. I, would, I one time fed him. I called him and him. I fed him a huge fly. And I think the fly was way too big for him, so he died. He couldn't fully, like, digest it. We're sitting over here talking about how Florence is weird because she brought a cactus in as a gift and you were that kid with Venus flytraps. Yeah. Why does this not surprise me? I don't think it should. It doesn't. I was about to say, that's not weird. A cactus is weird. Okay. Anyways. (laughs) So... Here I am just <laughs> shitting on young Taylor. I know, right? <laughs> it was yesterday. No, I'm joking. <laughs> so the the florist tells her um, that you know, after she denies any help and that she doesn't need the wildflowers, she'll figure it out. He goes, okay, no worries, but your dad's order will be a little bit late being delivered. She's like, what are you talking about? My dad's order. He's like, yeah, she, you know, he ordered um flowers and you know it's gonna be a late delivery but i'll get to it and she's like well at this point she's curious so she's thinking can my dad have cheated on my mom like they were so in love they did so many things together like there's no way so she's like okay give me the address i'll deliver them myself so she gets to the house where the delivery is and an older woman opens the door and she gives her the flowers and she's like, oh, my my husband always used to give me these flowers. I think they were like lilies or something. She was like, he always got me lilies on my on our anniversary. I actually forgot it was today since he's been gone for so long. And her dad knew this because it's a close knit, you know, close net, close knit, close knit. It's a closed net. <laughs> around this town because they're here's the twist in the story they're fish people so so her her dad always got in you know in honor of her husband always picked up his slack while he was gone all i can think of right now is under the sea under the sea (laughs) so she looks behind the the woman and sees her late husband standing there and he mouths thank you to her and as she like when she was walking there to begin with she noticed that ben was following her and he's like she's like you're not you're not sneaky dude like i can see you so he follows her to this place and then he he try he starts to remember how he died and then starts to cry cuz he's like i don't know i can i remember you know walking i remember doing a b and c and then i remember hearing the tires 
Screech. Screech? Screech? Squelch. Squelch? As they ran over his body and squished his head. Basically. So. No, screech is the word you were looking okay, for. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> so Florence uh, comforts him as best as she could because she she even said like when she sees other people cry, she cries. It's just an instinct. So she's trying to make dead jokes to him to make him laugh. She's like, I really hit that on the nail. Or, you know, like, I don't even know what, but it was just funny as shit. I remember laughing at this, these dead jokes. Like, uh, that joke was really a dead end. He And he's just like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Or like the one that I told you where I really hope I go like my grandfather, peacefully sleeping, not screaming like everyone else in the car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible, horrible dead jokes. And... Again, while she tries to touch him to like comfort him, because she's like, "I just wanna, just wanna hold him," he disappears. So, because he's a mountain of a ghost. Yeah. So she gets back to the uh, bed and breakfast, sees one of the um, other workers at the bed and breakfast who she used to go to high school with, and he goes, "Hey, can you go find Fetch, which is the dog, which is the official." mayor of the town which he's a dog and they named this dog fetch uh correct so she goes outside finds finds the dog next to ben and he's like just whacking his tail looking at ben but ben can't like touch the dog or do anything um and she asks or he asks if she wants to go on a walk so he can ask her some questions where she doesn't have to look like she's you know, talking to somebody on the phone so she doesn't look weird talking to herself. So they went to the cemetery, oddly enough, for their conversation. And they talk about Lee with her ex and how they were both connected to him. So he was more of an acquaintance. He he may have said the word friend of Lee, but he, he tried not to. He was like, yeah, we collaborate, collaborated together. He was... You know, we work together sometimes, but, you know, whatever. So he said that he, uh, Ben told her that he read her first book because she came out with a book years, years ago, um, as not being a ghostwriter and it kind of flopped and, uh, it was a romance. Nobody, there was people who read it, but not a lot. Of, and it wasn't enough for the, um, publishing company to continue to keep it in stock and keep printing it so ben was like hey i remember your first book i actually really enjoyed it i loved it and she thinks this is weird as shit that he read her book and knows about her and so as they're talking um one of the town cops come and she lets ben know before they start running that she's banned from the cemetery because when she was a child she always went to the cemetery because she couldn't talk to fucking ghosts and she would always go after it was closed when you're not allowed in. So they yeah, escaped. Because she's like, oh, people are going to think I'm weird if they just see me talking to a fucking tombstone in exactly. this fucking graveyard. Yeah. So they escape from the cop. And when she gets back to the um, bed and breakfast, Ben tells her goodnight. He's such a gentleman ghost. I swear. Oh. <laughs> so she wakes up the next morning comes down and makes herself a cup of coffee and gets a bagel and all this stuff. And the cop is standing in the bed and breakfast 
and tells her that she'll let her off with he'll let her off with a warning from last night and this is when she ends up going to the local bar because one of the workers of the bar plays Elvis on Thursday and her dad always went to see him perform or sing or whatever you want to call it before his poker night on Thursday. So he would get a couple couple drinks, listen to the Elvis impersonator, and then go play poker. So later after, you know, Elvis says, yeah, I'll, I'll play for your dad, whatever. She and Ben are back together and he, you know, they're talking about her first book again and how, you know, he really did love it and he's not joking and not making fun of her. And they head to the bookstore together and he starts questioning why he's with her. You know, he's like, out of everybody, I'm with you. Like, he even mentions he doesn't have a big family and he rarely had friends because he was so, like, desired to work. Like, all he did was work. So he barely had any communications with people. Mm -hmm. But he's like, I could have went literally to anyone and I came to you. Like, this is weird. So he's like, well, maybe I'm here to see if I can make you believe in love again. Because when in their first meeting, she says that romance is dead. So he's like, well, maybe that's why I'm here is to make you believe and make you have hope again. And you finish this book. And so she asks, OK, well, is there anybody you want me to reach out to for you? Like so that we both get something out of this. Like you help me. I help you. You can move on. And he's like, well, there's there's really nobody to reach out to. So she goes again to the Waffle House to have breakfast with her siblings and mom. And her sister and her used to get along very well when they were younger. But after she moved, they kind of grew farther and farther apart. And so they get into an argument. Um, and her sister Alice starts complaining about how she was never here. Um, she never came home. And it felt like they were always going to New York for her instead of letting her come home for like Christmas or Thanksgiving. And it was, you know, everybody dropped everything to for Florence's comfort instead of her just dealing with it for a couple days to come home for, you know, right. a holiday. Yeah. So she's like, it's just not fair. And so she, you know, Florence kind of has an enough of being ridiculed and, and goes back to the bed and breakfast and decides to, uh, to take a hot shower to like just calm her nerves and get through the day and when she gets out of the shower she wipes off the mirror because it's all foggy and sees ben just standing behind her turned like the other way she's like ben what are you doing and he turns around and goes oh no and like covers his eyes and he's like i didn't see anything and then just like disappears <laughs> He's like, I didn't, I didn't swear. I swear I didn't see anything. And gone. He's a pervy little ghost. Little, little ghosty. Ghosty in her bed. What an idiot. <laughs> so when she goes to the diner in town and tries to work on her dad's obituary uh, and Ben came and scared the hell out of her because he just all like automatically appears across from the table so she starts talking about her dad and you know their 
their memories together and you know how he would dance with her mom in the parlor room of the you know funeral home and just remembering how kind he was as a soul and and she still hasn't seen his ghost and she really wasn't you know thinking that she would but she's like i i would have hoped if he didn't find closure first he would come to me so that i could say goodbye to everybody for him and say goodbye to him for myself mm-hmm. so because he found that closure and he didn't need you bitch exactly yeah. either that or a demon's got him right now <laughs> and things are going to take an abrupt left turn later <laughs> on spooky season <laughs> so ben at this point starts talking about his ex-fiance and he tells her that she cheated on him um and he starts blaming himself about you know hey i felt terrible that she felt like she had to go to somebody else to get something she couldn't get from me Mm. because i was always working and so he's blaming himself that she went and cheated and florence was like hey it's not your fault you did not deserve that like she did what she did she chose what she chose and that's not on you no matter what you would have done differently she probably still would have cheated like end game yeah probably so yeah so ghosty boy making me feel bad for him now what the hell i know right he's such a his character is so sweet and so sincere i love it um but she leaves ben and she goes and cleans the gravestones with her brother and his partner um so when she gets back to the bar wait back to the oh yeah so there's a bar in the bed and breakfast like a small one that the bed and breakfast owns and so she gets back there and she asks for a rum and coke and she tries to write more in this book um but she ends up looking up ben and trying to find his obituary and she's like it should have been out by now even if nobody did it for him like even if he had nobody like some something would have come out yeah so she's like trying to find it and she can't find any articles about it she's like okay it just hasn't come out yet um and then starts looking at his like facebook and seeing his fiance and or his ex-fiance and him and he pops up and he's like oh yeah i haven't updated my facebook in a while and she's like jesus christ man you keep popping up scaring the shit out of me and he tells her that he apologizes for how he acted earlier and that he didn't mean to get frustrated at her for just trying to give him advice and trying to get him to move on and tells her hey you should meet me in town square tomorrow um i want to help you finish this book so i have a couple ideas just finish you know meet me in town square so the next day she does and he is sitting at a bench she meets him there and he goes this is great practice for writing stories look at that couple across the street write their story she's like what do you mean write their story and he goes well this couple over here met on tinder they had a tinder date once he liked it they went out again they went out again a couple more times on tinder hooking up and now they have a beautiful house together they're married for two years and they have one kid on the way and she's like huh okay so that actually is solid advice i should do that at some point (laughs) yeah it's a great idea i love people watching i think we had a conversation about this last week yeah so 
That was more on the judgment aspect, though, than the people watching. <laughs> so, so she tells Ben, like, their running joke after this is she looks at him and goes, well, write our story. What's our story? And he's like, uh, want to be author and a uh, annoying ghost that won't leave her alone to finish a book, you know? So, like, that's always the running joke. And they fix, you know, they change the taglines throughout the joke and whatever. So... The next uh, next hour or so, she goes um, to the Unlimited Party store and asks for everything to be delivered on Thursday for the funeral. Um, and she gets a text from her sister, Alice, in the middle of this. And she tells him to, or she tells Florence to come to the basement of the funeral home where, you know, they take care of the bodies. Where they embalm them. Yeah. Prepare them for the service and viewing and whatnot. Yeah. So she immediately leaves, gets there, and Alice wants to know, because Alice is taken after her dad. Her dad did all the prepping of of the bodies, and Alice went to school and got a degree for it, so for forensics and all that. So now she does it. So this is where I thought it was a little bit weird in the story. Alice is the one taking care of her body, like of her dad's body. That sucks. Yeah. Because nobody else in the town does it unless they go to the town over. Of course. And any small town. Yeah. And she is good at her job. You know, she does this every day. So why would it matter that it's her dad? You know, so she kind of takes it. She compartmentalizes it. Yeah. So when Florence gets down there, she asks if, hey, does dad look like dad? Did, did I do a good job? Is the color of his face look good? Does it match with the foundation? All that creepy shit. She says yes, and, and they have a good moment um, as a family. So the family goes to Olive Garden that night, and Florence says that she'll stay back. Heading to the OG. Yeah. So Florence was like, yeah, I'm not that hungry. I'll just stay back. You guys have fun. Enjoy dinner. So she's sitting in one of her dad's favorite chairs in the parlor of the funeral home. Not to cut you off, but uh-huh. all I could think of was nothing says celebration of life like oh, of course. like endless soup, salad, and breadsticks. <laughs> bread <laughs> Dude, that I mean, that does sound like life. That is the life. Nothing says I'm in mourning like soup, salad, and breadsticks from the Olive Garden. (laughs) Nothing says I've lost a family member like soup, salad, and breadsticks from the Olive Garden. Because when you're here, you're family. (laughs) (laughs) I think I just wrote them a new commercial. Oh my god. That's terrible. (laughs) So... I'm sorry to anyone out there listening that has recently lost a loved one. I It's terrible. I understand your pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's sitting in the parlor in the funeral home of her dad's favorite in the her dad's favorite chair. And Ben comes and sees that she's a little upsetty spaghetti, you know? And so she starts talking about her dad and There wasn't vomit on her sweater already, was there? No. She just was upsetty spaghetti. Not mom's spaghetti. 
No, upsetty spaghetti. And not vomit on her sweater already. No, just upsetty spaghetti. Palms were not sweaty. <laughs> Weak knee palms are sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so she, at this point, after her and Ben discuss more about her dad, she lets it slip that she was the one that, you know, inspired the book that Lee wrote. And Ben was so mad. And he was like, that motherfucker, that asshole, douchebag. I can't believe he would have done that to you. Like, it, it's it's insane. That's so rude of him to do take your real story and turn it into a, you know, subpar wannabe book, well, gothic ben, book. God damn it, Ben. If you're so pissed off, go haunt the son of a bitch. Throw some yeah. pots around. Move a chair. And it's funny because she even <laughs> says that. She's like, you have all of the, like perfect way to haunt him and he's like i can't even move anything and she's like dude you're getting so upset that the vases in this room are moving like he's literally making the house shake so she he's an emotional ghost he really is he's so sweet such a sweet ghost is he oh he really is seems like a loose cannon to me He's so cute he's such a cute one sure he is i fucking love this if I love any ghost, this is a ghost I love. As long as she doesn't try and fuck this ghost, it's just How not... would she fuck the ghost? It's a goddamn book. In the books you make me read, sometimes goddamn anything will fucking happen, okay? True. That's also true for the books that I make you read. <laughs> exactly. So, her mom comes back to the funeral home, and uh, she asks her, you know, Florence, hey, can you just walk me home? So she's like, yeah, whatever, no problem. And this is when she spills to her mom all about Lee, the breakup, his book. And the thing that she hates most about the book is not that he wrote about her. She's like, I can I can get past that. That's not the issue here. She was like, was I hurt? Yes. But he, the thing that hurt her the most is that he wrote her father's character wrong. He made him seem like such a weirdo and you know, sporadic and, you know, just a dumb bitch, basically. Almost like he was schizophrenic. Yes, that's exactly how he wrote his, her father's character. And so she she's like, that's just not who he was. Like, that, that hurt me. And so she says goodnight to her mom. And on her way back to the bed of breakfast, she gets caught in a, a terrible storm and just like, goes slower she's like you know what i want to feel this storm because her dad yeah she just wanted to let it just rain on her because her dad used to tell her when she was younger that no one's truly dead that they the spirits whisper in the wind so you can always hear them if you listen close enough in the wind they sing in the wind so ben appears again dry because he's a ghost obviously the rain isn't doing anything to him and they both have frustrations that they want to work out so she's like how about you scream ben he's like fuck yeah and they both just start screaming in the rain together and it's like a cute moment i i thought it was cute when you said that they both had frustrations i thought that that was going to take a very abrupt left turn no (laughs) i'm glad that they just screamed in the rain yeah so she gets back into the bed and breakfast. Else. What are you talking about? I thought it was going to be something else. I thought ecto, oh. like ectoplasm was going to be Ew. involved. 
Ew. There's going to be a spooky ghost that just, <laughs> you know, left a bunch of ectoplasm in the room. Oh, no. So she gets back into the bed and breakfast. Her high school bullies are there. Of course. Having are. a book club. Of course. Uh-huh. And they're definitely reading Lee's book. No, they're reading um, Ann Nichols' book, which she, you know, Florence wrote this one. So before she goes up to, to bed, one of the bullies says something kind of under her breath, like about Florence. And so she's like, you know what? Fuck this. She comes back down the steps. And as she's passing Ben, because she's, you know, Ben was still there. She's passing Ben and he whispers to her. Why the fuck was he whispering? Nobody can hear him. I don't know. But he whispers, you know, don't get ugly. You know, don't don't hit them. Don't make a fight, you know. And so she tells them all. Base kind of tells them off. But really what she does is says, I forgive you for all the shit you did to me and making me want to leave this town. I forgive you. And they're taken back. But she goes up um she goes upstairs after she tells him off and goes to bed. So the next day she goes hiking up to the ridge and this is where she found the body of her uh, old friend, Harry, not even friend, Quaintance, Harry. And this dude she knew. Yeah. This dude that went to her school. And so she's in search of the wildflowers because she's like, eh, th- there should be enough that I can at least get few, you know, and make it look pretty and get the rest uh uh, different kinds of flowers whatever so ben shows up again and they're talking about wishes uh because they get to a field about dandelion not dandelions what what's the ones that you blow on the and they dandelions is it okay so they get to a field of dandelions and he's talking they're talking about the wishes and what they would wish for before he can even say what he'd wish for, he's he's gone. So he'd she, wish for a second opportunity to get to know her like this. Yeah, because that's exactly how all of these books go. Shush. <laughs> let it <laughs> let it be, be. <laughs> I'm sorry, I I can't just not poke holes sometimes at my favorite books ever. <laughs> yeah, I know. So she gets a ride. She gets back down from the ridge, and her brother Carver is there. So he, she gets a ride back from him and he starts bringing up that, you know, about her seeing spirits and, you know, she always excludes herself because she, she already thinks of herself as the weirdo in the family. So it's just easier for her like to exclude herself from everything than to just be a part of the family. And that's what he feels like she's been doing. So she, he kind of goes a little hard on her. And so she says that she hates the rumors and the rumors are starting up again because he tells her and so she jumps out of the truck when they're at a stoplight and walks the rest of the way back to the bed and breakfast um the next day they have the wake for her dad and as they clean up and everybody's left and it was a a very nice wake ben appeared and she put on one of her dad's favorite cds that he used to put on as they cleaned up after a funeral and the whole family was dancing through the parlors of the funeral home. And she tried taking Ben's hand to dance. And he said, because it went through his hand. And he was like, well, we can at least pretend. So he's like spinning her. Obviously not real, but it's like cute. It's so cute. It's like the scene from Ghost. Sure. I don't know that one. That's 
The one with Patrick Swayze. Swayze? Patrick Swayze. I know. It's from the movie called Ghost. Oh. Well, I've heard of it, but I've never watched it. There's a there's a Padre scene where he's like behind his girl and they're like making this vase together. Okay. And that one like older song is playing. Oh my love. Oh, I can't. Aww. I can't vocalize it right now. Yeah. So after her family cleans up, they go back to Florence's mom's house um, and plays a game of spades. And so Ben's still there. And he, you know, she's talking with her family. She's trying to pretend that Ben's not there, even though he knows they they both know he's there. Right. But she for the sake of her family, so she doesn't get embarrassed. She's pretending she doesn't see or hear him. And so Ben starts helping her cheat at this game of cards because he's starting to see how bad she is. And so Alice, um, she like, well, Florence mutters under her breath to like answer Ben and her family starts saying, is one of your little ghosty friends here? She's like, yeah. And they're expecting her to say no and like kind of play it off. But she's like, yeah, he's here. And they're like, oh, he, he is a little ghosty friend. Ooh. And she's like, his name's Ben. And they're like, oh, Ben. Oh, interesting. And he's like answering their questions through Florence. And her mom goes, well, Ben, you're welcome anytime. And he's like, well, thank you, Miss Day. That's so sweet. And and it's just so weird. And she's like, because whoever lost this game had to do the dishes that night. So her sister goes, okay, using a ghost to help you cheat does not help you like doesn't get you out you automatically now have to do the dishes of course yeah so alice and her uh do the dishes together and they have a good talk about you know her not being there for alice as much as she wished or as much as alice wished and they kind of fix their relationship there that was a big moment for them in their in their relationship turning point and a lot a lot of things are said you know florence apologized it was it was a good moment and Ben had already went into the other living room so he could pretend at least not to hear this relationship and give them some privacy. So Ben walks her back to the bed and breakfast and starts acting weird and looking like something was wrong with him. Like he starts clutching at his chest. He feels out of breath and he even starts notice or like telling her at this point that like kind of asking questions aloud like hey can you hear that she's like hear what he goes voices just keep hearing voices and she's like um maybe i've never heard a ghost hearing the afterlife after they've you know you know been been good and you know done their things that they came here to do and their closures but she goes yeah i bet that's normal for you to hear your loved ones who are already gone because she, you know, this is new for her. She's never had a ghost not know. But it's not his loved ones that he's hearing. You don't know. Just shut up. Let me finish the book. <laughs> <laughs> so this part, though, is when I started going, oh, the ending's obvious. But you still at this point, like up until this or even around this point, you don't 
truly know because it could things could go either way right of what you think's happening and what you are seeing or reading at that point so she woke uh she brings ben upstairs she's like hey if you want you can stay here i guess and sleep and he's like well i don't i don't sleep but i'll just leave and she's like no 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 you can you can stay it's okay like it's a little weird that you can't sleep and you'll probably just watch me sleep but whatever you can stay so he does and she wakes up to him still being there and he brought up about how he was at the party that where she met lee the first time and she about him saying that he saw her go into the library and he wanted so badly to go over there and introduce himself and say hi and um, but Lee beat him to it. Of course. Of course. And then he tells her, um, like, she's getting ready for the actual funeral. So she's, like, buttoning up her, her blouse and everything. And he starts telling her what he would like to do to her if he was actually still alive. Of course he does. Yeah. So even though she can't feel him, she's like getting all tingly and she's like, I can still hear his voice and his voice is hot and I'm looking in the mirror and I can see him like he's hot. And so this is when she's also telling him like, I would climb you like a tree, man, if you were alive. And he was like, climb me? Like he's like, that's a little odd, but okay. Flattering. I'll take it. And... He also at this point tells her about their first meeting in his office, like the first official meeting. And he tells her that he really wanted to kiss her then, but he obviously had to contain himself. Like he didn't know if she wanted that. You know, it was weird. It'd be weird to just randomly kiss your author if you're an editor. And so they get to the um, funeral home. Um, uh, Rose actually comes to help you know com- comfort her in this time of need so she gets a surprise that rose came all the way from new york to comfort her for this one day and before they leave for the cemetery um heather which is her high school bully had hand delivered a thousand wild flowers for her and said hey i'm sorry about what happened in the past people change and i i really do apologize we a lot of the townspeople donated um for for us to make this happen for you and your father and your family so she lets bygones be bygones and everyone's walking over to the cemetery and ben was like hey i'm i'm feeling a little bit weird but i'll be okay um but i'll be there i want to comfort you even though i can't touch you i can't hug you i want to still be there so you see me and if that's a help for you I'll, i'll be there She's like, okay, but please, like, you know, don't disappear on me. Like, I, I do need you here. It's a comfort to see you. So he's like, give me a moment. I'll be there soon. I just need to, I just need to sit here for a second. Because he's still feeling, like, chest pains, like, all this stuff. So she gets to the gravesite and reads the letter with her family up there with her. And the letter is basically a soft goodbye for her dad to say to everybody and to her, their family and it was so sweet it was like such oh this scene like this whole scene i cried and i couldn't even write everything that happened in the scene because he starts to explain why he asked for the thousand wildflowers why he asked for elvis why he asked for you know the crazy decorations because the decorations was happy death day on balloons 
And she didn't know this until that she got to the gravesite. So it was terrible. Everybody had streamers. Everybody had like the little party hats and the, the, like the, the oh, kazoos or horns. Kazoos. Yes. They all had kazoos. So Ben's in the background of, of everybody during this, you know, funeral. And he, up to this point, he keeps calling Ann Nichols, which is who she ghostwrites for. He keeps calling her Annie. She's like, that's weird for somebody who said he really he really wanted to meet her when they first met. Like, not anybody would just call her Annie. Like, that's kind of that's strange unless he had somebody in his life that he knew as Annie and just that's normal for him. So after the funeral, they go on a walk together and she's telling he's telling her about his life. So he's saying yeah, my parents got into a car crash when I was very young. So I ended up living with my grandmother. She was she was amazing. She's like, well, who's your grandmother? And he goes, Anne Nichols was my grandmother. That's why I got into writing. That's why I love reading romance. Like she she was what got me into everything. And she's like, well, when did she, when did she die? I didn't know this. Like I've been talking to her assistant for years and saying that Anne wants this, Anne wants that, you know, please ghostwrite. She asked me herself to ghostwrite for her at five years ago. And he goes, that's the thing. She died five and a half years ago. She's like, huh? He goes, yeah. Uh, she, the best thing I can explain it is knowing what you can do now. She came to you as a spirit and saw your writing behind your, you know, she was reading behind her. That's how Florence explains the situation. Ann Nichols was reading from her computer behind her at a, at a coffee shop and said, I want you to write for me. And so she starts thinking back to everything of, oh, oh my God, like that's true. I've never seen her except for that one time. You know, I've never heard from her directly. It's always her assistant. Um, but that's just so crazy that she was your grandmother and that she was dead before she even asked me to do this job. So yet her assistant is still sending out her orders. Yeah. Cause she, yeah. Cause she, she told my, somehow I forget how it was explained when Ben found out that Aunt, when like Florence wrote to Molly and Anne saying, hey, thanks for the chat. I would love to work for you as your ghostwriter for the f- next four books. Ben and Molly was like, oh, my God, she talked to my grandma. Like, this is weird. So somehow it was explained, but I'm, I don't know why I'm blanking on how. But so she he again talks about chest pains and says, well, I have I think that's what I came here to do is tell you about Annie my grandmother and you have hope now for romance like I got you to believe that so I guess I'm done here and he starts talking about all of the the voices again things are getting very loud and he's like I I need to leave I'm going to leave so they have a cute little goodbye and he just disappears and she's like that's it I'm never gonna see him again he's gone this this is his closure and he got his closure so he's gone 
So she goes back to the funeral home and goes under one of the creaky floorboards. And because none of her family knew about her writing, ghostwriting for Ann Nichols, because it was like she had to sign an NDA. So she she was sad that she never got to tell her dad that she goes wrote for her. And she opens up this little part in the floor floorboard where she kept all her smut that she wrote. And in there was all the books that she wrote for Ann Nichols with a note from her dad saying, I'm so proud of you because he knew and he told everybody in their town not to tell her that they knew, but to buy these books. Mm -hmm. So she, you know, Alice comes in, she does tell her and confirm like, yeah, everybody in town knew dad told everybody, um, you know, I'm sorry that we didn't tell you until right now that we knew. So Rose comes running in and goes, oh, my God, Florence, he woke up. He woke up. And she goes, who woke up? She's like, Ben, Benji, he woke up. And she goes, he's dead. You told me he got hit by a car. He's dead. She goes, I told you he got hit by a car, not that he died. He was in a coma. Called it. Mm -hmm. I called this shit like a few chapters back when he was having chest pains and like, you know, the voice when he first started talking about the voices. And so she tells her family about this because she's like, oh, my God, like the, the ghost that helped me fucking cheat. He's he's white. Like he's awake. He's alive. He's white. He's white. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean that. Sorry. <laughs> I was trying to say alive and wake at the same time. You guys are never going to believe this. He's, he's white. white. <laughs> Those heathens. Why make him white? <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> So she flies back with Rose and goes to the hospital that he's at. And when she gets up to the floor to um, see him, she sees Lee there, obviously. And they start. He's like, hey, why don't we walk to his room together? So she's like, "Okay, whatever. So they walk to the room. She sees. And this whole time she's fearing that he won't remember the time when he was technically dead, because that would make sense. Why would you remember that time? So she's in fear for this. She's like, okay, he he won't remember me or maybe he will. That's best case scenario, whatever. So they're walking down him, her and Lee and she sees his silhouette sitting up in bed and sees a second person there. And she's like, who, who's that? And she kind of, she recognizes the woman, but doesn't want to like, you know, tell herself this. It's his ex fiance. And so you know, she, he, Lee tells her that his ex hasn't left her, his side throughout the coma and, um, you know, since she's, he got into the accident. And so he starts also telling her about his book and making fun of her and all this stuff. So she punches him, Lee in the face. And it's the best part of the book. Punches him right in the fucking face. And then leaves without even talking or seeing Ben. So she f- ends up finishing the book because she finally gets her her closure, sh- her hope for, for romance, turns it in, and the assistant, Molly, tells her she has a full-time career if she wants it with this publishing company, and sh- Molly will en- be her assistant if she, if she wants her. So Ben messages her in an email, and this is three months later-ish, and says, hey, it was very nice working with you. Um, all the best, Benji. 
and she starts to wonder, okay, he doesn't remember. He doesn't remember me. It's fine, whatever. But I have to know, like, I have to see him in person and know this for myself that he does not remember me. So she writes him back and goes, hey, can we meet? I would love to speak with you. And he goes, well, how about Friday at noon? And she goes, okay, fine. And at this point, her brother is getting married the on Saturday. So she has to leave late afternoon on Friday to, to get back home to, to go to his wedding. So she does something crazy. She she remembers when he was a ghost and he said that she he really liked her first book that was, you know, not Ann Nichols book, but hers. So she wraps up her own book, signs it, and brings that as a gift to him. And she's like, this will be very weird that I know that he loves my book if he does not remember me when he was a ghost, when he told me he loved my book. So they're sitting there. She gives him the book. He says, thank you. And he asks why she wanted to meet with him. And she's like, great. He really doesn't remember. This is terrible. And she starts talking about um, needing coffee or he asked her if he wanted like if she wanted coffee or tea or whatever. She's like, no, I've, I've had enough for today. And he's like, he says a trigger word. She calls it when she, he was a ghost. She called it her go-go juice. And so he goes, yeah, I don't want to get uh, too much, have too much go-go juice. She's like, I'm sorry. And he goes, uh, I'm sorry. That was weird. I don't know where that came from. And she stands up, thanks him again, gets to the door. And he's like, hey, Florence, wait. And she turns around and she goes, write this scene for me. And she's like, this is another trigger sentence. This is a joke we said. Let's see if he remembers. And so he tells he he tells her he does remember. He finishes. He, you know, writes the scene and they end up kissing in the in the office. And he's like, hey, didn't you say you have a flight to get to today? And she goes, yeah, why don't why don't you come with me? And he's like, I would love to. So he buys a ticket. They go to um, to the same area, uh, the same bed and breakfast. They get the exact same room. They have a makeout session. And Allison Rose, because now Alice, we find out she's gay and her roommate Rose is dating her. <laughs> it's fantastic. So they walk in on them having a makeout session. They go to the wedding for her brother. It's beautiful. Her mother asks um, after at the reception if she could borrow Ben to dance with her because she's like, oh, my gosh, Ben. Like they they don't really talk about it a lot. But, you know, they're like, very nice to meet you. And and he even said at the people at the bread and breakfast, like, oh, nice to see you again. And she's like, again. And he goes, I'm I'm sorry. And then Florence is like, I've just told him so much about you. Like he feels like he knows you when in reality he remembers being there in the in all of these parts of town. So she, you know, her mom steals him. They go on. They go for a dance. He dances with her after her mom and she asks if they want to go walk through the graveyard before it closes. And he thinks that's a really great idea. He goes up to her dad's um, gravestone. She walks away to give them privacy. And so he speaks to her dad alone. And they talk about how great it was that they were able to find each other. And 
this is the crazy part. At the end of the fucking book, he or when they were still dancing in the in the parlor, they're still dancing and she sees the woman who she gave flowers to. She had passed, so she sees him her with her late husband um smiling, having a great time, you know, they're ghosts, they're just there. And she sees Ben like look over and she's like, Can you see them? He goes, Yeah. So now he can see ghosts as well. No, it's because it's probably because he, he had that you know, he yeah. was probably brain dead or something like that. Yeah. And with that with having that near death experience it probably kind of just opened his mind's eye to the other side. And that's what she thinks, too. Yeah. But I really liked this book. I told uh, Deanna, I was like, it's a very weird book, but I found it so good. Like, very good and very well written. Mm-hmm. But first impressions for you. What do you think? Odd. When I when I you were talking about him hearing the voices and having the chest pains, mm-hmm. I pieced that together with her not being able to find the obituary. Yeah, and it kind of clicked for me. This son bitch is in a coma. Yeah, he's on that that line between life and death, and that's why he disappears mm-hmm. as much as he does. Yeah, but, and the reason he doesn't even remember that he's dead because right. she even mentioned multiple times. Even to him, I don't I don't know why you're confused or why you were confused in the beginning and why it took you a while to remember your accident because ghosts know that. Mm-hmm. She was like, everybody knows that when you die. Yeah. She was like, you're the only one who doesn't know these things. So I love this. I actually, on Goodreads, I gave it a five out of five. Nice. Because it was so good. It was so freaking good. And the cover art is fantastic. Yeah. I really like the cover art. So, Yeah. That's that is the dead romantics. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Any shout outs for this week? This week I do not believe I have any shout outs. Um I would shout out and this is going to be a really odd one and it, but it makes sense to Taylor and I because we've been talking about it recently. Mm. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to any of our listeners that play Dungeons and Dragons. If you are looking for two newbies that want to that you would like to have join your campaign and train and teach us how to play both of us would be more than willing um i mean i'm there i'm down for it yeah that's 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 it for me in terms of shout outs sounds great (laughs) i don't think i have any shout outs for this for this week which is interesting but i don't um but do you want to tell them what next week's book is next week is solo leveling volume three I'm very excited for that one. Yes, I've got my next five picks already selected. Whoop, whoop. Solo leveling volume three, four, and five. Then we are going to go into uh, Jack Carr's fourth book. Oh, um, you already chose that? Which I don't remember what it's actually called off the top of my head. Um, Give me one second here and I will be able to tell you. Ooh, ooh. Um, Jack Carr, Jack Carr, Jack, 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 Jack. Isn't it? Um, why am I blanking on it? It is the Devil's Hand. No, that's not it. The Devil's Hand. Yeah, it's the Devil's yeah. Hand. I was about yes. to say that sounds right. 
The Devil's Hand, and then we will be going into his most recent fifth book, which I just finished, and oh my god, it was good. I'm very excited. You texted me, and I got excited off of your excitement. Yeah, it was so. It was called, it's called In the Blood. So, um, those are my next five picks. There will also be picks from Taylor in there. We will have some BS episodes coming up soon. Mm-hmm. By the time this... This comes out, it will, uh, I'll be 29 years old. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. 29? And possibly hungover from celebrating mine and your mother's birthdays. True. So, okay. Uh, like I always say, and I feel like I've been adding on to this the last few episodes, so let's see if I can remember the list and continue to add on. Um, <laughs> tell your friends, tell your family, tell your enemies, uh, tell the neighborhood kids, tell the stoop kids, tell the trolls, tell the dragons, tell the goat men, tell the bird men, lizard people, and mole men, tell the voles, and tell all of those cat creatures out there. Oh. Yeah. I don't know why that one was... Was the one that I, I got stuck on? The cat people? Well, I technically added three. I added neighborhood kids, mm-hmm. stoop kids, and cat creatures. Yeah, I don't know why the <laughs> cat one got me. So, uh, like we always say, you can follow us on Instagram at Off the Books Podcast. You can follow us on, you can find us on Facebook at Off the Books Podcast. If you have any suggestions or things you want to hear us talk about on our BS episodes, uh, email us at Off the Books Podcast at gmail.com. DM us on Instagram, Mm -hmm. shoot us a message on Facebook, post something on our page, whatever. Uh, Follow us on TikTok at Off The Books Podcast as well. You can find Taylor on Instagram at TaylorCoff99. You can find myself at Mr. Humerick. Boop, boop. Oh, that was a lot. That was. (laughs) You you need to take a break. You've been talking a shit ton this episode. Well, I know. I know. Such arc- sarcasm. I'm such an asshole. <laughs> My father woke me up very early this morning on accident, so I'm yeah. tired. I'm trying to stay awake. Okay, so, um, like I always say as well, um, thank you all for listening. We truly appreciate the support and love that we have felt from you all over our first 30-plus episodes and six months on the airwaves. Mm-hmm. Um New news, we are now available, thanks to Taylor's due diligence, we are now available on iHeartRadio. You're welcome. So, you can (laughs) now find us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, you can find us on Audible. Mm -hmm. Um, We're on Overcast. Basically, anywhere that you, that you, uh, you can find a podcast, you can pretty much find us. Yep. So, um, yeah, share it around, tell the people, and uh, shout it from the rooftops. So, now that I've gotten to this part. Like this I is always, my favorite part. Like I always say, ladies and gentlemen, uh, good night, good morrow, and good morning to you fine folks. And once again, thank you very much for listening. Bye, guys. <laughs>